Welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 71. Nerding in the rain. Wholly appropriate given that we're now into autumn. <laughs> um, on today's show, we will have a round of EGX, mm-hmm. a look at the next wave of returning shows, and then some reviews of the shows that have come back. And new ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen Exorcist yet. I know you have. Cool. Should we just start with EGX? Absolutely, sir. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, uh, last four days in Birmingham, or the last weekend in Birmingham rather, this is going on a Friday, uh, was EGX, formerly Eurogamer Expo, yep. <coughs> and uh, convention bringing the big releases from Major Studios and a ton of indie games, yep. which we managed to get our hands on. And essentially previewing everything you're going to be spending your hard-earned coins on for the next year. Yeah, and there's a couple of cracking games in that list yeah there definitely are uh, I think we'll start the one that I played twice mm-hmm. uh, Little Nightmares that was so good yeah uh, there's only one I think I played that came comes close to topping it for game of the, game of the year con for me but yeah Little Nightmares from uh, Bandai I think yeah yeah it's Namco Bandai yeah. yeah was a stunning and scary and atmospheric little adventure game yeah it's kind of a puzzle platformer yeah but very very disturbing yeah because uh, on the Thursday you played half of it and I picked up from a certain point yeah so I didn't quite get exactly how jumpy and freaky the music was yeah in that first section until I went back and did a speed run at it on the Friday morning yes telling you that there's weird music going around in the background doesn't quite have the same effect no. <laughs> there were some genuine jump moments for me playing that game uh, especially the second time round um, and especially because someone was dressed as the chef yeah. and stood right behind me as I was playing <laughs> not freaky I at all didn't spot it until I finished and turned to leave and just walked right into them <laughs> yeah so essentially it appears to be the story of a little girl in an anorak yeah big, a big be- yellow cagoule being chased but and eaten by monsters yeah it's things that scare you as a kid I think isn't it yeah. it's like the idea of adults and a, a giant world outside of your own yeah so yeah and the demo level is just playing through a kitchen essentially yes whilst well there's a giant chef that wants to eat yeah and it's deeply unsettling yeah it really is but I, I thought it was really cool. I love the art style on it it's, it's kind of Coraline-esque yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, for me, it was the music. Mm. Well, I think that's very much because of my background as an audio engineer. Yes, it, it was deeply unsettling. Yeah. Um, but great fun. It's interesting trying to figure out what you're supposed to do while running away from a giant fat bloke who wants to eat you. Yeah. Uh, hiding. I See, I, I get lost in stealth games because I play too cautious anyway. Mm. So... I think you probably saw that on the Thursday when I was playing through, I was hiding was in my kitchen. hiding everywhere, yeah, whereas yeah. I was a bit more gung ho. Yeah. <laughs> on the Friday, I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> Balls deep, let's just go for it. Charge across the kitchen and manage to get out. But when you hear the, the scream of the chef as she sees you climbing up the the bookcase to escape at the end, it's just like, that's just yeah. freaky. The whole thing is freaky. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that demo. Yeah, looks very, very cool. Yeah. And that's on my list. Um, so we'll, we'll stick a link to the trailer yeah. in the show notes for that. I reckon you can have a look at it. Uh, and we may add in some of the little nightmares postcards to our swag giveaway, which we'll tell you about later on. Yes, for sure. We've got some notes to give away too. Um, right, next up for me then, and the one that really pushed Little Nightmares close for Game of the Con was Forgotten, Forgotten Man. Forgotten Man. Oh, yeah, that looks amazing oh. as well. We heard there was a Square Enix collective announcement at the PlayStation stage, so we went across to see it on the Thursday, and they announced this cinematic adventure game um, called Forgotten Anne, and we were well, we got hands on with that on the Friday for some gameplay, and it's incredible, and I loved it. 
I think well, as soon as it was announced and we saw the trailer, we were just like, well, yeah, in love with uh, the art style. Yeah, and they were essentially going, uh, it's like Studio Ghibli meets Labyrinth. Yeah. They just kept throwing things in and were like, I want this game now. Yeah. <laughs> just take my money and give me the game. And playing through it was so satisfying, although they had to give me a bit of a hand because they'd removed some of the tutorials from the demo. So I was going around in a bit of a loop. I was a bit of, a bit of loss as to what to do. But yeah, you play as Anne. You play as Anne, um, making your way through the Forgotten Realm, a place where everything that's been forgotten goes to. So odd socks and scarves and pens and. Seems to be somewhat of a theme that you're going back to little nightmares at that point in the game where you just end up in a graveyard of shoes, running away from something that's chasing you. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that was deeply unsettling. <clears throat> but yes, anyway, carry on. Yeah, and um, you, you, you are in this world. Uh, trying to fix the ether bridge to get back. So Master Bonku, the only other person in the Forgotten Realm with you, is trying to help you get home. Um, it's inspired by Japanese fairy tales mixed with some European fairy tales. It's got a Ghibli-esque art style to it, but has Pan's Labyrinth elements in the story. Mm. Um, they wouldn't give too much away, but I was thinking about it quite a lot, and if this is the realm where people where things go that are forgotten about, then how did Anne end up there, and who's forgotten about Anne mm. for her to be there? Uh, so I think there's like loads, loads of layers to this story. Um, they said the graphics were rendered in game, so there is no cuts and jars between scene transitions. It plays like you're playing in a in a movie. Awesome. It's yeah, it's just so smooth. And your actions have consequences, and people will react to you differently depending on how you go. I, I killed the scarf and turned it into ether in in the game, and then later on, my character's referred to as being being merciless. But you know, scarf killer. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a red scarf, and she's not wearing anything that really goes with red, so it had to die. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. All for the sake of aesthetics. Yeah. 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 Nice. And it was called Dilly. I thought Diddy's a silly name for a scarf, yeah. so it deserves to die. Fair enough. Yeah, so I played through that. Uh, what else did I get on hands-on? Did you play the Turing test? I didn't play the no. Turing test, no. Too much time playing Forgotten Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of the best way to describe it. They, they call it a cinematic adventure game, and it's definitely that. Um, it has elements of a puzzle. There's definitely elements of old-school point-and-click adventure game to it as well. Mm. But it's just so smooth, the entire thing. Like, and again, the sound is key. But they're going to get, I think they're going to get the Copenhagen uh, Symphonic Orchestra to redo the score for Sweet. it, which I think is pretty insane. Um, and that's out soon. Well, that's out. Say soon, twenty seventeen. So yeah, kind of soon. Yeah, it's kind of soon. Because like, the Turing effect was just released last week. Yeah. So the Turing test. Turing test. Yeah. yeah. So there was that, that was awesome. I think between Little Nightmares and uh, Forgotten Anne, I'd be hard hard pressed to pick a favourite out of the two of those. Different games entirely. Um, yeah, both incredible. Both straight onto my um, wish list on Steam. Awesome. Another one we got on, on the Friday, uh, sorry, on the Thursday was the full part two Unbound. Yeah. Which is a, a cool little indie title from uh, Canadian. Uh, development company or that kind of AI and uh, it's kind of a, a mix of a point and click adventure game inspired by like flashback and another world yeah and size probably beat him up elements to it as well yeah and the, the author the writer of the game had never seen Red Dwarf <laughs> and yeah. we very much think that they should check out Season two, episode one, Crichton, because yeah. yeah. there are some wonderful references. In fact, I'm even sure there's a line of dialogue from that episode in the game, um, or as near as damn it. It's worth. It's, it's kind of weird. I didn't play that from the start, so I missed a lot of the setup because you took over from the start. Yeah. So it seems to me like there were two, two personalities occupying that one suit. Yeah, it looks that way. It looks like it's it's to do with an AI that is in a kind of combat suit at the beginning of the game and then gets shunted out of that and ends up in a butler. 
Yeah, it was the butter element was where I picked it up yeah. from. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we managed to get inside something. Yeah. And they're trying to find her original body. Yeah, because this is this is part two of a, of a series of games which we've got. Uh, well, the original game is out on Steam, and I think the the second one's coming in the next couple of months. So that yeah, you can go back and play part one and see what the rest of the story is like. Because yeah, well, we haven't played part one, but uh, I think we'll go back and have a play of it now, see what it's like. Unless you've played it since. I haven't played no. part one. No. No. Um, that was quite an interesting one. Uh, one I spent a lot of time playing was Elder Scroll Legends. I never got on that. I spent ages playing that. I never got on it. I really wanted to. It's really cool. It it it, it is what it says on the tin. It's a uh, an Elder Scrolls meets Magic the Gathering deck builder card game. It was Hearthstone essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I guess fair enough. Um, yeah, I still wanted to play it just because I like the. The Elder Scrolls lore. Yeah, and it's great fun. So yeah, you just I just picked up a couple of decks, did the tutorial level, kicked the ass of the tutorial level, then started playing against other people in the room, and they utterly kicked my ass. <laughs> so it was great fun. You didn't know who you were playing until kind of got up at the end. I think me and another guy stood up at the same time. And, did you just? I was like, yeah, you kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, on the Friday, I was queuing for WWE TK17. Went straight in more or less, and they had one console open, and the two of us looking for a single player game. We just decided to play a two player game, so I played as Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins, and I'm not sure how I won, but I did, because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing in terms of control. Button mashing. Yeah, like he seemed to have an idea how to pull off moves and stuff. I couldn't get into the ring for the first part of the match. <laughs> <laughs> like. He interrupted my uh, my my intro as well, so like you can actually charge in and attack him on the ramp whilst they're doing their intro. Right. Um, but yeah, we got it going. I pulled up a couple of moves, uh, and it was it was a tense game because the kick out mechanic is really interesting in that it puts up a dial and it flashes round, and you have to hit X at a certain point, and. The earlier in the match, the slower it goes and the wider the market you have to hit. But as you go on and on, your resiliency gets worn down. Mm-hmm. It goes faster and faster, so you have to really try and time it to be able to kick out. Which meant that, like, 15 minutes in, with Finn Balor absolutely beaten, black and blue, I was having to really time my, my kickouts perfectly. Mm-hmm. And we were getting this really, really close. It's <laughs> as, as close to two, three counts. And a Actually a wrestling match that's a real competition. Yeah. Wow. And so many reversals, but done. It's not like the, the chain moves and chain reversals of previous wrestling games. Mm. It's literally just like um, it will flash L two at certain points, and if you get it right, mm. you reverse too fast or too slow, and you you don't reverse the move. Right. Okay. So you've got to hit the sweet spot yeah. to get it right. Okay. But it played really well. I really enjoyed that. I think that's the most fun I've had playing a wrestling game since. Uh, here comes the pain on PS2. Mm. So the old SmackDown vs. Raw games. Right. For a lot of fun. But yeah. Cool. There seem to be an awful lot of VR games there this time round. And I would have played some if I didn't have such a killer headache from wasting two and a half hours on Mario World. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you did that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I got the first thing on Thursday. Gates opened at 10, everyone poured in, and I went straight to the retro zone because that's the quietest part of the convention at that yeah. point. Found an old Super NES with Super Mario World and ran it all the way through to World 5, the Forest of Illusion, and I wouldn't leave until I found both the secret exits from that. I couldn't remember where they were, it took me ages. But I did it eventually, and then I realised that it was half past 12 and you were, and you were just turning up. <laughs> <laughs> we had people to go and talk to, and my head was splitting because I've got a CRT, a really, really small, old school CRT television for two two hundred hours. Yeah, I could just hear my mum's voice in the back of my head saying, "You'll damage your eyes." <laughs> You're so close to that TV. Like, damn it, mum, your eyes. <laughs> but yeah, still, I think the best thing I've played ever. That's yeah. one of my favorite games of all time. Is Mario World. But yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell that VR games are on the rise now because it wasn't just the big outfits that had them. A load of the indie devs yeah. were coming there together. There was like a secret agent game in the the left field collection, which looked kind of cool. 
Uh, and then, yeah, a whole bunch of others. Uh, did I ever go on one? I was trying to think. No, I don't think I, don't think I had enough time to get on one because we were too busy doing other stuff. Yeah, I didn't. But it certainly seems like it's becoming more of a thing now because I think last year at EGX there was, uh, I think there were like three PlayStation VR games uh, and you, you couldn't get on them without a previous booked appointment. Whereas this time, I think there was at least a capacity to turn up and, and register to go and see one. Yeah. Um, similarly with Horizon <coughs> Zero Dawn, which we never managed to get hold of because the queues were insane. Yeah, I tried on the Friday morning, but yeah, the queues for everything at the Sony stage were just yeah massive. It definitely shows how how popular Sony is. Yeah. That that's the thing everybody flocks to to get their hands on the new stuff. Yeah. Um, but saying that, like towards the end of the day, well, around lunchtime and so, the rest area got packed. Mm. And I liked that it was right at the front door. So like, as soon as you come in, the first thing you hit when you came into the convention was the rest zone, which yeah. is the indie devs. Yeah. And there were so many really, really cool games there. Definitely. Like Team 17 were there with Worms and then a ton of other stuff. Um, that's where the Square Enix Collective were with The Fall, which is. Uh, a game set. From, it's it's very from a, by a Russian studio, I believe, and it's it's that it's it's the end of the Second World War from that sort of perspective. Mm. It's very cool. Uh, Forgotten Anne, which was awesome. Um, uh, Abyssal Arts had their game uh, City in the Shroud, which we got to play on the Friday. It's kind of XCOM meets Street Fighter, mm. so it's a top-down real-time strategy sort of game. Uh, but your combat moves are done on a on a dial, right? But you have to link your moves like you used to link combos in yeah. Street Fighter Two, um, and everything, every sort of aspect of the move costs you stamina. But you can then link moves into into other moves as long as you have the stamina to pull them off. Um, it played really well, uh, and was a massive tonal shift from everything else I played that weekend. Like it wasn't intense, like Little Nightmares. Or forgot none. It was funny. Right. It was a really, really funny game. Uh, they're releasing it in four chapters, and the story is going to develop depending on how the players play it. Excellent. Okay, so, so kind of Telltale Walking yeah. Dead style. But and then, and how they develop the game moving forward. So they're going oh, to right, take. Okay. They're going to be looking at how players are playing the game and, and, and adapting, adapting the story. New episodes yeah. for that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's on Kickstarter. There's some great rewards on there. Including access to all the uh, ebook novels that the author of the game has written. Cool. So we'll stick those in the show notes. But yeah, that was a really that was a, a nice fun break from the intensity that the games I've been playing. Cool. Uh, other shout outs. Sadly, it's one I didn't get to play as well. Is uh, the bunker from Green Man Gaming, which looks awesome. It's a live action adventure game. So it's all, it's all filmed footage and then you, ha- you essentially point and click adventure game along with it and the story develops but it's all like proper actors and a proper storyline and everything and it looks amazing. It's about uh, it's kind of post-apocalyptic and he's, he's the last man left alive in a bunker and yeah, it looks really, really interesting. That was, I think I remember seeing where that was, but yeah, I never got handled. Yeah, it was Green Man Gaming, yeah. they had four games on, on there, and it, it was always busy every time I went there, so I just went and did something else instead. <laughs> well, did you get the Nautilus Rift? Uh, I didn't actually play on the Nautilus Rift, but I went and watched some other people playing on it, and it looked amusing. I got a report from someone who was at Gamescon in Cologne, and uh, their friend was playing Nautilus Rift and forgot about the X button in the far power and ended up throwing up. <laughs> Yeah, so for the for the uninitiated, the Nozulus Rift is a thing that they've built and hooked up to uh, South Park, the fractured butthole. Uh, <laughs> so that. you could imagine it's South Park in television. So <laughs> imagine how that plays out. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even find it the entire weekend. Like I couldn't, I didn't find it. I was looking for it. As it was well. in the eighteen plus section, right at the back. Ah, okay. I went into the eighteen plus section. I just saw Titanfall. And uh, Battlefront was just like, yeah, it was kind of in between both of those. As you went in through it, it was if you went straight ahead, it was there, just uh, okay. in a little booth of its own. 
Yeah, no. Oh well. <coughs> Next year. <laughs> if the Nozzleless Rift comes back again. <laughs> It'll be there. So yeah, any other games of note that you came across? It was interesting to note that they had a board game section there this year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Stephen were down there demoing games. Um, no board game retailers, uh, but yeah, pretty big demo zone. Um, no, I think I, I think that's everything that I played. I yeah. think. And I guess that there, there are other interesting things if you are going to it as a convention. Obviously, there's there's a big esports presence there as well. Yeah. You can go and get involved in some competitive gaming. There's a games library there. Uh, which you could just go and, and just take games off the shelf and go and play them on Xboxes or Playstations or whatever the massive retro zone where they had pretty much every console you could think of they had a BBC Micro yeah um, and a Spectrum, and a Spectrum. Plus. yeah <laughs> so many old school games consoles there um, so it's it, it's awesome if you just want if you want to see the new games and also if you just want to sit and piss about playing Super Mario for three hours yep <laughs> which I can totally recommend just take some painkillers with you if you can um, but yeah so much going on like the Virgin Lounge had uh, Destiny time runs mm. like if you could beat yeah. the beat the new instance in a certain time you got uh, Playstation for and a bunch of other Destiny stuff the was it the National Crime Agency was there as well yes yeah there was a, there was a mod stalls there Doing data protection, crime, data crime. I think there was industry section there, the careers biz. Yep, there was a lot of universities offering yeah. courses and in, in games development. And sadly, I missed it. But sixty-five days of static were there on the Friday. What? Doing a talk in the developer sessions on No Man's Sky. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Totally missed that. I totally missed yeah. that. Um. So I was. Gutted. Yeah. About that. Uh, yeah. Oh well, we'll just have to invite them on the show and get them to do it again. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was, it was an interesting couple of days. Not quite as hellish and hectic as I thought it was going to be. If mm. I'm honest, I mean, like queuing to get in. I think we've done so many conventions now and so many things we have to queue for that we just kind of get used to that level of queuing. Yeah. Um, but everything was actually really, really quick, really, really straightforward. Uh, if you wanted to get onto the game of Dishonored Two or um, Mafia Three or any of the, the games that were going on, Final Fantasy Fifteen, the big games, then you had to queue for ages. Yeah, couldn't get anywhere near them. Kind of hashtag not worth. But if you just want to play games, go to the indie zone. Yeah, and it was enough for me just to get an idea of the games by just hanging out, watching other people yeah. playing them. And you can get an idea of what they're what they're about. Yeah. So yeah, I hung around and watched lots of people playing Final Fantasy Fifteen, and it looks amazing. But yeah, I think in conclusion, the games that you should be having on your purchase lists on Steam definitely Little Nightmares. Little Nightmares for sure. It was just so much fun to play that again and again and again. Yeah, and Forgotten Anne. And Forgotten Anne, just because it's beautiful. Uh, it, it plays like an adventure game, but without any of the horrible, jarring, inter-scene stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just so smooth. I think I described it as playing a Ghibli movie. Yes. If you ever want to play a Ghibli movie, then this is definitely the game for you. And you need to get it as, as soon as it's out. Just, just get it. Cool. And the only other one uh, worth mentioning... Um the other one is uh, the fact of some new additions to Lego Dimensions. Ah. So Harry Potter is now coming okay. to Lego Dimensions. So more things to spend your pennies on for Lego Dimensions for, to sit in my cupboard and remain unopened. <laughs> <laughs> but just for the fact that I own them and we'll get around to playing them one day, honest. At some point, go. Honest, go. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, on to TV then. TV. So, recap of what's come out or what's to come? Uh, well, we'll do what's come out and then what's to come. Yeah, cool. So, seems to make sense. Let's start with last week uh, Gotham. Didn't watch it. Ah. Uh, good? Yes. <laughs> yes. You see, I've, I've done a complete 360 on my opinion of Gotham. 
So last season turned around for me. Uh, that was Rise of the Villains. This is this season is being uh, subtitled as a Mad City, which I think is going to be leading into uh, Mad Hatter as the villain for season three. But we pick up right where we left off, more or less. The Indian Hills breakout of all the people that Doctor Strange was experimenting on has brought the city to chaos. Jim Gordon doesn't work for uh, the police department anymore. He's a bounty hunter bringing in um, the escapees. Okay. But it's all about getting Fish Mooney. Um, it's it's a cool episode. Uh, sets up the season, I think. We have the Court of the Owls making a move on Bruce Wayne. He's uncovered that someone at Wayne Enterprises was behind Indian Hills and part of this cabal. Um, Harvey Bullock seems to be playing it pretty straight. Poison Ivy, I think they've they've recast the role, but they haven't shown her in the recast role yet, so I think they've just um, explained how that's going to happen by disappearing her in mysterious circumstances. I'm seeing a Kyle, as Catwoman is still whiny as all hell, but there you go. Um, yeah, no, it's setting it up. And we've still got the mystery of the clone of Bruce Wayne, who's just discovered who he's a clone of. Um, and we'll see how that plays out. But it's interesting. And I think last year, with Theo Gallivan, we kind of suspected the Court of the Owl stuff was coming. And then it seemed like it was going a different way altogether, because they just got rid of him. And Doctor Strange became the main enemy for the end. I think this is going to be kind of a a recurring theme with Gotham is that it'll look like they're setting up one bad guy for the series and they'll probably do away with it around like the midpoint mm -hmm. and bring in the true threat. So I'm waiting to see when Mad Hatter turns up. Okay. <clears throat> but I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a fun episode. Um, Lucifer? Yeah, yeah. Lucifer's back. Lucifer's Season one. Back. <clears throat> um, looking for his mommy? Indeed. And finding her eventually. And finding her at the end of the first episode, yeah. I thought it was a, a nice little issue. I, I would have liked them to have hold off reuniting them for a little bit longer because I liked him playing out his mommy issues. Oh, uh, yeah, I liked him just being paranoid that everything yeah. was being done by his mum to get him. And they could have waited a little while longer. Um, but now that they've been picked up for the second season. They just seem to be having more fun in the role. I think both him and the actress who plays Chloe mm. have relaxed into those roles a lot more. Everything just seems easier. Yeah. Uh, and the dynamic is great between them. The dialogue was quippy and fast, as always, with that show. Yeah, it was good. Yep, enjoyed that. Yeah. What have you seen that I haven't seen? Uh, well, it's mainly a lot of new ones, I guess. Right. Uh, so, where do we start? Uh, Bull, we'll go with. This was the Dr. Phil one, yeah? It's We Are What Dinozo Did Next. <laughs> so, it's Michael Weatherly's new project, which is essentially uh, it's a fictionalised version of the early life of Dr. Phil. Um, but what it really is, is a crossbreed between Lie to Me, The Mentalist, and Law and Order. So the first episode revolves around him being hired uh, to get a not guilty verdict for a kid who's on trial uh, by performing his mental shenanigans on jurors to find out which ones are going to vote for it and who's the most uh, influential in the group and things like that. So it's all about manipulating jurors. Hmm, okay, I didn't see that coming. So it's actually relatively interesting and it kind of has a cool kind of tech aspect to it as well uh, as, as most of the kind of NCIS later, later shows do it's kind of you know, massive big shiny screens everywhere and okay. groovy graphics so that was actually alright okay. uh, I quite enjoyed it and I'll watch more just to see how it goes uh, <coughs> excuse me um, another returning one was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I loved it yeah I loved it I've got to be honest <coughs> Um, they're having more fun with the 10 o'clock time slot 
so it is a tonally darker um, episode than we're used to. A lot more blood. I think that's primarily because Ghost Rider is going to be an anti-villain, anti-hero, mm. semi-antagonist type of deal. I like that we didn't wait to see him. Like they just gave it, gave him, gave us Ghost Rider straight away. Mm. Um, it's interesting the new team dynamic. Everyone's been split up by the new director of Shield, and they're all they're all working different places. They've all been very deliberately split apart. Um, Mac and Coulson are off in the field. Uh, Fitz and Simmons. Fitz and Simmons are split. Mm-hmm. Simmons appears to be uh, a kind of assistant for the director. Yeah. Uh, now, it wasn't just me. They haven't revealed who the director is yet, have they? No, I think... Or did I miss that? I think Talbot is running running the it's show. Talbot, okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I just wasn't clear and the episode didn't make it clear. No, yeah, from what I got, it was Talbot. Right, okay, fair enough. Because Talbot doesn't like Coulson, which is why he's done this. Hmm. Um, yeah, a whole lot of plot lines being put down there. Like, what was in the box... What's in the box? <laughs> Some kind of spirit of vengeance, one might imagine. <laughs> uh, so there's that. There is Fitz off with the, the good doctor and Ada. Yes, yes. AI so plot line. Squadron Supreme is the Ada plot line mm. with Tom Thumb. Um, I don't think that's going to be the doc. If anyone gets there, it's going to be Fitz. Which I, I just I don't know why but I just foresee some weird love triangle between Fitz, Ada, and Simmons in this series. Mm, um, yeah, I can see that. You know, the the argument for developing AI is going to come up, oh, especially yeah. in light of Ultron, and there's going to be was some, referenced. It was, and so the Sokovia of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I caught that one too. <laughs> um, so there's all that, and then yeah, and Daisy. And interesting that Yo Yo is is. Uh, Double agenting, yeah. So she's working for Shield, and she's working as an informant for Daisy yeah. or Quake. I like that they didn't bring Quake in. It makes more <coughs> sense for her character to be out there solo. Yeah. Especially if we just call back to episode one, season one, when she was doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's all well and good. I think if I have any issue with the episode, it's that opening shot of pants up. Yeah. T-shirt down. It's like okay, yeah, it's ten p.m. Guys, that doesn't mean you can start adding sexuality to the show in the most cliched of ways. Yeah, but that wasn't the last of it. I mean, there's the dynamic between Mac and Yo-Yo. Certainly, you could cut the sexual tension there with a knife. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. But on the whole, I thought it was a fantastic episode. It was a great, a great way to come back, um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yep. And I'm pleased. They didn't fuck up Ghost Rider. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Probably my favourite of the returning shows, to be honest. Cool. Okay. So another new one uh, is Lethal Weapon. Oh, don't tell me you like this. I'm not going to tell you I like it, and I'm not going to tell you I love it. I'm not going to tell you I hate it. I'm unconvinced. Okay. Because in the first five minutes, I hated Riggs as a character. Okay. Utterly hated him in five minutes. Uh. And then there was a big roundabout, and then he started getting into more of the Riggs character and, and doing some of the things from the movie. And then the relationship started building between him and Damon Wayans. And it's, it's interesting. At the moment, I just feel like it's trying too hard. Okay. Um, you know, I think that they're picking up on some of the themes from the original movie and kind of laying some groundwork for what's going to be part of investigations going on throughout the season but I think essentially it, uh, it's either going to go down the route of one overarching sprawling investigation or procedural and I don't know which yet Okay. so I've come out of it not hating it by the end of it I have a lot of problems with, with the characterisation of Riggs I can't get over Damon Wayans uh, in, in that role because I just still see him as the football player from the last Boy Scout uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> that's an odd reference 
But that's all I really know him from. Was he in Major Pain? Not seen that. Oh, have you not seen Major Pain? Oh man, not seen it. Okay. And I've not seen any of the scary movies. That yeah, neither have I. So. Uh, the only frame of reference I have for him really is The Last Boy Scout fair enough <laughs> in which Bruce Willis is too old for this shit yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah it, it it might be okay there's there's some interesting uh, character name references so for example the captain's called Captain Brooks Avery okay. which I clocked so is a reversal of Avery Brooks for some reason hmm as a reference of that, and then there was a couple of others that I picked up on there, I've forgotten what they were now, so the, there are some interesting kind of name drops in there. Okay. So, no idea what they're about. Uh, so, I'll go back and I'll watch a second episode, because I'm a massive fan of the original movies, I love them to bits. Uh, and I think that's probably why my immediate knee-jerk reaction was to hate yeah. Riggs, because he's so different. Okay. Alright, next show, and this is going to be controversial, uh, but The Blacklist, mm -hmm. and I wasn't grabbed. Ooh, really? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't a massive fan of this season premiere. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. See. So, yeah. Go on then, what's, what was what, what It just didn't it? hold my interest. I kept flicking between, like, if... If I'm watching it, I'm watching it on my laptop, and if I flick off onto Facebook or something else whilst it's playing, have it running in the background, then that's usually an indicator that I'm bored of the episode. Yeah, okay. And I was I was off doing other things whilst that was playing. Um, I don't know why, because okay. I, I, I generally, generally love that show. Um, but yeah, something about just like, the speed of the show, or... Like, can't put my finger on it. Okay. See, I thought it was really interesting because it was, you know, essentially it was uh, Red punishing Mr. Kaplan uh, and uh, Tom out in the woods trying to get back and trying to get his daughter back. And I thought that was all. That was all rather cool. Um, I just think it was a little bit cliched at the ending of it. it was about the only thing that that I didn't like. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the show because it's, oh, yeah. it's been so good in the past to get to do over from me. Yeah. But, yeah. but essentially, I think for, for me, it's about how they're going to get rid of Tom and put him into the spin off show. Yeah. And that I just don't know at the moment. And yeah, I want to know where his mum was this whole time. Yeah. Because where was she in the episode? Yeah, she just wasn't there at yeah. all. Um, yeah, no, it just, it just kind of lost me a little bit. But. We'll stick with it. Okay. Another new one that I wasn't expecting much of and was actually really pleasantly surprised was Designated Survivor, which is Kiefer Sutherland. Okay, yeah, yeah, in the, in the White House. Yeah. It's actually really rather good. So he's a low-level secretary, Secretary of Housing or something, and he basically spends the majority of the episode whining that all of his stuff's been taken out of the State of the Union address uh, and then essentially finds out that he's being fired uh, and then gets put in the role of the designated survivor that night which is apparently a, a thing where on the State of the Union they take one cabinet member, yeah. put them in a secret location in case something catastrophic happens to everyone else and of course something catastrophic happens to everyone else and he becomes president yeah. and it's all like the first couple of hours of, of how that unfolds. So there's a big catastrophic event. There, it, we're introduced to an FBI team who's investigating it with Maggie Hughes in there as, as an investigator. Uh, and it's uh, Natasha McAlone and Kiefer Sutherland, uh, the family, and they've got a couple of kids and they get essentially shunted straight into the White House and, and put into office. Uh, and it's all about kind of the the generals trying to strong arm military responses and, and how he deals with it. And I actually really quite like it. I can see kind of where it's going that it's it's set up the fact that yes he'd been fired and was literally going to be out of a job the next day and then all of a sudden he's president. Yeah. So I can imagine there's going to be some degree of fingers pointing at him in terms of the investigation. 
but as an opening of a show, I, I really quite enjoyed it. The characters that you know, Keith Sutherland's character is actually really quite likable. Okay. Their family dynamic is really kind of cool. They're they're, they're just a nice, happy, at ease family because they're not you know they're not high pressure politics. So they're just quite happy bimbling around and and having a laugh with each other. Uh, and then all of a sudden the fit hits the shan and yeah. then and he ends up in that position so it's all about how he as a relatively laid back kind of guy is then thrown into the seat of power I th- I'm going to watch him <clears> now <throat> just to see keep himself going to play a likeable character yeah and he is quite likeable I've uh, never seen him play anything likeable another likeable. interesting development in it is the fact that Cal Penn's in it and if you know Cal Penn is he was one of the interns in House Yes. Uh, the one who died. Yes, and he died because he's off to do. Polit- yeah. He's off to, for a political career, yeah. and now he's come out of the political career, and now he's back acting as a political speechwriter right. in this. So I was kind of intrigued at that. Uh, there's a very interesting scene which takes place between Cal Penn and and uh, Kiefer Sutherland, where they're both in a toilet cubicle, and Cal Penn's talking about Kiefer Sutherland's character and doesn't know it's him. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, okay, I'll check it out. Then. So I really quite enjoyed that, and uh, that is on uh, Netflix. Oh, awesome! Okay, awesome. So it's being released weekly on Netflix. Brilliant! I'll give that a shot. So yeah, give it a shot. I was pleasantly surprised. I think yeah, because I'd gone in not expecting much of it at all, uh, and it was actually really good. Cool. Um, another new one, The Exorcist. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. Very dark, very engaging, really creepy sound effects, really excellent special effects. It's definitely set it's set a scene for what looks to be a kind of epic man versus demon battle that's going to be happening over the course of the season. Okay. So the lead character, Father Ortega. Uh, starts having dreams about uh, another priest who's an exorcist and starts seeing visions of him and then eventually tracks him down uh, and then they, they have a bit of a set to about it and then I think he, then he eventually comes and, and, and joins in what is going to be the fight but it's yeah it's it's a bit of a slow burner and it's very very creepy okay it's done with a lot of dream sequences a lot of imagery a lot of just weird batshit things that happen out of nowhere uh, and some really unpleasant imagery as well okay so I really quite enjoyed that it, it, it was yeah. a lot better than the film in my opinion because most people see the film as being a classic I'm not in that camp I just I think it's a bit dated and could be done a lot better interesting cool so I, I really quite enjoyed it and then my last one is another one that I really didn't know what to expect of which is called Quarry which is about a Vietnam vet who comes home uh, who's involved in some kind of uh, potential wrongdoing in Vietnam but which he's ultimate, him and his mate are ultimately cleared of don't really know all the details about it well I've seen three episodes so far and it's, it's really quite good um, it's about them coming back to their hometown uh, and people shunning them for what happened in Vietnam and them finding it difficult to, to get jobs and, mm-hmm. and exist back at home uh, and then they're both approached by uh, someone in order to start working doing contract executions uh, and initially one of the characters doesn't want to do it at all another one does uh, through various ways shapes and means that he ends up being involved with it and it's the story of kind of how that goes it's 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 dark it's kind of in the same vein as true detective it's very dark gritty 1970s okay uh, but it's yeah it's it's a, a hard-hitting gritty show but really quite enjoying that. Okay, I'll check it out. That's on Cinemax. I think the last new show we've ever seen is 
Son of Zord, Son of Zord Alangulon! <laughs> yeah, if you've seen the trailer, you've pretty much seen the first episode. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to love this more than I did, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I did too. Um, the first episode got a few laughs out of me. The, the killing the bird was funnier in the episode than it was in the trailer. Yes. And that, that got a chuckle. Um, and there's some incidental dialogue in the second episode which makes which made me laugh. That kind of call back to an earlier thing. Um, but on the whole, it wasn't the uh, laugh out loud start to finish show that I was expecting. No, it wasn't. But I found it, you know, it, it, it was amusing. And as you said, I think the first episode, if you'd seen the trailer, was essentially just an extended version of that trailer. Yeah. There were no surprises in there for you. You'd seen everything happen in the trailer. Including all the really cool funny bits, yeah. Uh, even you know, the, the, so pretty much all the best lines of dialogue are all in the trailer as well. The you know, who around here has a giant sword? Well, Margie and HR, yeah. all of that. It's just it was all in the trailer. So I'm looking forward to seeing the second one and seeing what I think of that, which I'll likely be yeah. watching after this. Yeah, it's there's some interesting stuff in there. I, I'm liking the dynamic between him, his ex-wife. And his ex-wife's new fiance. Ah, yeah, the the, the uh, teacher. Yeah, the, the online online lecturer. <laughs> lecturer. Yeah, um, yeah, and I I do like the way he's trying to connect with his son as well, and the way he does it in the second episode is just so completely wrong on so many <laughs> levels. It's worth watching. I mean, it's 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 going to be one of those shows that I think is going to develop a real cult fan base. It's just set up for it, I think. But, yeah. Right. What's coming up? What's coming back? Well, I know that Once Upon a Time came back last night. It did? I didn't watch it. I haven't watched it yet. I have it to watch. Um, Well, coming up, obviously, the day this is out, once you've listened to our podcast, you should go onto Netflix and watch every episode of Luke Cage. Oh, the Luke Cage! (laughs) That's that. Um, Sunday the 2nd, sees The Return of Elementary and the beginning of Westworld. Mmm, intriguing. Yeah. Um, Elementary is one of those shows that I hated the concept of before I watched it because it was an American Sherlock Holmes and I was so opposed to it but it's one of those shows which is insta-watch as soon as it's available for me. I love that show. Um, Because I believe it was me that made you watch that again. (laughs) Yes, it was. Um, Which is why I'm probably going to go and watch Bull. Yes. You know, uh, it's, it, it's interesting, but it, I, I, I don't know. It could very quickly lose its its appeal if it's just the same yeah. thing every week. Uh, but Designated Survivor looks like it'll be a good one. Cool. Monday third sees the return of Scorpion. Oh yay! Uh, Tuesday the fourth sees the return of the Flash. Mm, Flashpoint, here we come. Yeah, we're going to start with two flashes, I think, in mm. the season opener. Um, Wednesday fifth. Arrow and new show Frequency. Mm, yes. The 10th of October is Supergirl. Uh, Supernatural returns on the 13th of October. Uh, I think Legends of Tomorrow is the same day, but no one gives a shit about that. I, don't think. <laughs> I, I have now watched season one of it. Yeah. I have now finished season one. And I am holding out hope for the second season if the Hawk people don't come back. Okay, I've heard that from so many people. <laughs> I just hated their characters. They were such whiny, inconsequential characters and the whole plot revolved around them. Literally everyone I've spoken to about that show has said, I hate the Hawk people. Yeah. Um, and then the big one, Sunday 23rd, Walking Dead Returns. We find out whether or not Negan killed the cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's an argument that he's killed two people. Is there? Okay. Yeah. I think. I think he's killed Glenn. I think he absolutely has to kill Glenn at this point. Yeah. And I think he might have offed Abraham, as well, just to course correct. Because yeah. Abraham should have died a few episodes earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, one or both of them are going to be the victim. Are you money on it, people? Let's see what you think. In my humble opinion, one or both of those characters are going to meet the business end of Lucille. 
I've decided to cosplay as Negan. Because I reckon I could pull it off. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but yeah. So that's that for shows that coming back. Mm. Oh, I rewatched Batman vs Superman. On oh, the extended version? Yeah. Well, Does yeah. make a difference? Now, you see, therein lay my problem is I bought the extended edition but didn't realise that there's actually one disc of the theatrical edition so I watched the whole theatrical edition again and went well that was just as shit as last time uh, and then went oh oh the, the uh, oh, oh the other you mean I've got to watch oh so you watched it three times <laughs> yeah <Aww>. <laughs> yeah no no, yeah. <laughs> no I'm still not convinced <laughs> so yeah that didn't go well <laughs> yeah but there's no like Margot Robbie apparently is on for a producing role on the Harlequin spin-off movie. Mm. I'm just like, no, nothing. Have a look on the shelf up there. You'll see what I have to watch. Where on the shelf? Lying oh. flat on top of Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. So I've not heard very good things about this. Nor have I. But I'm interested to watch it. it and yeah. we're, we're talking here about Batman the, the Killing, Killing Joke, Joke animated yeah. here, in case you were wondering. So, I have it. I've yet to see it. Undoubtedly, there will be reactions coming yeah. as soon as I do. Yeah, I've not heard great things about it. But we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but yeah. Alright, that's all in terms of news. I think I so, think. yeah. Yeah. We do have some swag to give away. We do indeed, yeah. Uh, so I guess, yeah, we, we got a bunch of stuff given to us by Team 17. So we got a bunch of uh, worms, t shirts, and plushies, and badges, and key rings, and things. And I think, yeah, I'll probably chuck in the Little Nightmares postcards along with it as well, yeah. uh, which we'll give away in some way, shape, or form. Uh, not entirely sure what. And I guess keep an eye on the website and we'll post something out. Yeah about how to enter the competition and win the swag yeah and uh, just make sure you check out the No Vs World Facebook page yep absolutely we'll post so, something on there in the next few days I reckon yep awesome well that's all for this episode mm. I've been Brendan I've been Spindles and until next time take care and be excellent to each other I didn't fuck it up no but you did fuck up the intro did I? Yeah, you didn't introduce yourselves in the oh, intro. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And there we go, folks.